Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from The Pony Girl Diva, written by Jim Lyon. A pop diva with a kinky fetish. Oh my! Mona is a pop star diva with a naughty secret. She wants to be a pony girl so badly she can taste it. So far, she has only indulged her kink by writing and performing thinly veiled songs about her favorite fetish. But since she is already fabulously wealthy, it is becoming increasingly difficult to justify denying herself what she desires most just to make even more money. So she tells her manager to shut down the tours and the recording sessions and then takes a year off during which time she anonymously enrolls in an exclusive Pony Girl training program and lives out her dream. Big surprise, she becomes the star pony of her class. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from The Pony Girl Diva. The introduction to Sarah's song started with an ethereal lead guitar riff, accompanied within seconds by two kettle drums, beating a rhythm that first mimicked the trotting clip-clop, then the galloping clatter of horse hooves. It signaled to the audience that the centerpiece and finale of Mona's concert, the mega-hit that propelled her to international superstar status, was finally beginning. Waiting backstage, Mona was slipping into a semi-hypnotic state as she anticipated her entrance and the approaching opportunity to once again indulge her pony girl fantasy before thousands of fans, without them knowing that's what she was doing. A single spotlight followed Mona as she bounded on stage in her barely-there costume, which consisted of a leather body harness with strategically placed straps, a headpiece that accentuated her hair coiffed to imitate a horse's mane, faux hoof leather gloves and boots, and a long flowing tail protruding from her rear end. The crowd roared as she belted out the opening lines. She is the mistress of my reins, and she revels in causing me pain. She has left her mark upon my soul just by introducing me to my role. Six dancers, similarly dressed, joined Mona on stage and danced in unison spread out behind her as she strutted back and forth and continued to sing the song's dark and suggestive lyrics to her screaming fans. Very soon, another dancer appeared in a costume that was a stylized replica of an English riding outfit, complete with tall boots and a riding crop. She and Mona began dancing together, in a strange and ominous duet that was mesmerizing. As Mona continued to sing, the woman began chasing her, menacingly swishing the riding crop as she did so, Mona occasionally turning to entice her coquettishly. When the blows began to land, Mona became increasingly docile, until finally standing still while her pursuer attached a sulky to her harness. Mona's dancing partner climbed aboard the sulky, took the reins, and cracked her whip, prompting Mona to pull the buggy off stage while reprising the song's opening lines and triggering a cacophony of hoots, whistles, and shouts from the spectators. As the lights dimmed, the music built to a crescendo that ended the show. The applause and cheers continued long afterward, even as the auditorium slowly emptied. Meanwhile... 
Mona unwound in her dressing room, savoring the magic that the fantasy held for her as long as possible, reluctant to take off her pony gear. It never failed to amuse her that everyone accepted her explanation that the ponies and everything else in the song and routine were metaphors for a tortured love affair. No one had even thought to ask who Sarah was. What would they think if they found out that Sarah was a character in her favorite Pony Girl book, the content of which had significantly influenced Mona's sexuality? Eventually, she forced herself to remove the gloves and shoes. Next, the headdress came off, and then the harness. Mona stood in front of the full-length mirror and stared at her reflection, standing naked save for the tail attached to the butt plug in her rectum, her long hair disheveled and wild-looking. Delighted with the untamed creature reflected in the mirror, she placed a hand between her legs and began pleasuring herself. Mona tenderly rubbed her clitoris, and as it became inflamed, she slapped it hard several times, then squeezed it tightly between her fingers. While she continued abusing her nub, she slowly inserted two, then three fingers into her pussy and commenced fucking herself vigorously, always watching the naked pony girl looking back at her wantonly. She squeezed hard every time the pleasure threatened to bring on a climax, finally stopping the vaginal penetration altogether and concentrating on slapping and pinching her clitoris even harder, until ultimately a deliciously raunchy orgasm emerged from the pain. Seemingly endless expanses of farmland flew by as Mona gazed out of the windows of her luxury touring bus. She'd lost count of how many times she had crisscrossed the country, hitting every major concert venue. The first five or six times had been fun and exhilarating. She had poured herself into putting on the best possible performance she was capable of. But not anymore. The thrill was definitely gone. Long gone. Yeah, I get it, Joyce. You're trying to be the adult in the room, she told her longtime manager and confidant. Sure. I could shoot myself in the foot if I stopped touring. Lose the momentum, and people might find someone else to fixate on instead of me. But I'm burned out, and I need a rest. Do you want me to have a meltdown like Brittany? No, of course not. But you've got contractual obligations. Work it out. You're my manager, so manage. Do what I need you to do. You work for me, not them. Joyce frowned as she considered what Mona said. TCM is going to be pissed. I can hear Ted now. You can't just stop cold. Fuck them. I'm giving them plenty of time to get their ducks in a row. You've got six months to wind things down. After that, I'm on strike for a year. No tours, no interviews, no anything. I don't even want a postcard from you until I tell you otherwise. Money isn't an issue anymore. If I never make another album or put on another concert, I have enough money to keep me in the lap of luxury for two or three lifetimes. I'll see what I can do, Joyce said with a resigned sigh.
The soon-to-be ponies were subdued as they sat blindfolded while the minivan wound its way up the private road to Hidden Meadow Ranch. To set the tone for their training, they were being transported naked and bound with ankle hobbles and arm binders. Forbidden to talk, they were left to contemplate their hopes and fears in total darkness, the laboring engine and humming tires the only sounds to comfort them. The ranch was situated on 200 acres, secreted away in a canyon surrounded by craggy mountains whose only inhabitants were marginal links on the food chain. Mostly, it consisted of underdeveloped, relatively level, grassy pastures. But at one end of the property was a cluster of buildings and an oval track used for exercising and training horses. The largest of the buildings was a barn that housed upwards of 40 stalls, only a few of which were occupied by horses. The rest, potentially available for pony girls and boys. As the minivan headed back down the mountain after unloading its cargo, Celeste surveyed her new charges. Six females and four males. She began making mental notations about their apparent level of fitness and what would be necessary for them to get into shape in the shortest time possible. Most were a little soft-looking, yet not overweight, but a few had extra baggage that would require a lot of extra effort to shed. Celeste was pleased to see... One pony girl was remarkably fit, speculating that she might have lead pony potential. Once she had removed their blindfolds, Celeste introduced herself to the ponies and began their orientation. You're all here voluntarily and should have at least a general idea of what to expect. Remember, at all times that you are ponies while you're here, so do not break character and talk. Since you've agreed to this training... We do not anticipate much need to punish you for misbehavior. However, corporal punishment is part of the training, and some owners have requested that their ponies receive extra disciplinary measures. The rule of thumb here is, though good behavior will minimize being whipped, it won't eliminate it altogether. Celeste scanned their faces to observe the reaction to this information. The main part of your training... The part that I will be working with you on will focus on building up your fitness and stamina, trimming off any extra weight, and instilling in you obedience and self-discipline. Eventually, you will begin learning how to respond and act like a pony. But before any of the training begins, our staff have some procedures to perform in order to prepare you for your new life. Please, follow me to the barn so they can get started. The ponies lined up along a wall near the center of the barn and viewed the temporary workstations with a mixture of curiosity and apprehension. Celeste led the first pony in line to Nancy and instructed her to kneel. As soon as the pony was in position, Nancy began brushing her hair, then gathered it tight in a single bunch at the top of her head and secured it as close to her scalp as possible with an elastic band. As the other ponies looked on wide-eyed, Using extremely sharp scissors, Nancy slowly began cutting the pony's hair close to its base, starting at the edge of the hairline and working inward until the hair finally came free in one piece, leaving a jagged helmet of short hair remaining on the pony's head. The pony stared at the harvested hair in disbelief as Nancy put it aside and grabbed an electric razor set to a depth of half an inch. Then with dispatch, evened up the ragged hair on her scalp until it approximated a two-week-old beard. 
While the pony was distracted, mourning for her hair, Nancy changed the setting on the razor to zero and quickly removed all her pubic hair. As the second pony in line was delivered to Nancy, Susan fetched the shorn pony and led her to the adjacent workstation. She systematically set about destroying the hair follicles between the pony's legs with a very thorough full bikini laser treatment, ensuring that the pubic hair wouldn't grow back. When Susan was done, a pink triangle of skin was the only evidence that the procedure had taken place. The final stop on the assembly line was Denise's workstation. Her job was to install a septum ring, a nipple ring on each breast, and four rings on the outer labium, each ring interlocking with the corresponding ring on the adjoining labia, effectively preventing penetration. Eventually, all the ponies endured the same procedures, except the pony boys instead all had their penises attached to their scrotums with four rings on each side. After finishing with her last pony... Nancy began fashioning the hair she had cut into custom ponytail falls, which she in turn attached to large butt plugs. She finished this task just as Denise was placing the final rings on her last customer of the day. The remaining indignity for the ponies, then, was to bend over while Nancy lubed up their butt plugs and inserted them into their rear passages. While the ponies adjusted to their body modifications, Celeste began removing their hobbles and arm binders. Next, she placed a leather collar with a number on it around each of their necks and explained that the number was to be their name during their stay at the ranch. And she gave them a few minutes to relax before herding them outside to begin their training in earnest. The naked ponies huddled together on the track, their new body jewelry sparkling in the sunlight. Celeste mused on the similarities and differences between the ponies before her and new recruits in boot camp as she prepared them for the next activity of the day. I realize that most of you are not in the best of shape, so I'm going to start you off with some easier exercises and work up to the level you need to be at in order to perform as a pony. Today, you're going to walk one mile, then run one mile, and repeat the cycle until I decide you've earned a break. Celeste pointed to the pony girl whose athleticism had impressed her earlier. Three. I want you to take lead while I come up behind. And, if need be, motivate any laggards with a few lashes from my riding crop. Set the pace at three to four miles an hour in order for everyone to get some aerobic benefit out of it. Remember, this isn't punishment. It is fitness training. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from The Pony Girl Diva. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, It can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.